Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today is the 28th, and that means that we have been doing this for four weeks. Wow. Time really does fly when you're having fun. And we are nearly to the end of our month of going through Proverbs, one chapter at a time. And now, some people have started to wonder, you know, what are we going to do after we get done with Proverbs? I do have some plans for some things that we're going to be doing and going to be getting into. So uh, buckle up and and stay tuned for that. Although I will say this, um, I'm going to be going to Nigeria. I think I mentioned that here a couple days ago. In fact, I'm recording this one ahead, and so I believe I'm probably on my way to Nigeria or about to be on my way to Nigeria while you're listening to this one here. And so uh, I'm definitely able to get through this month, no problem with that. I might be a little bit uh, behind here for the first week of April. So if you don't see any uh, podcasts come out in the first week of April, it's because I'm in Nigeria and I'm unable to upload and I wasn't able to quite get as many done ahead of time as what I hoped to get done. That's a possibility. Uh, But I am going to try to keep some um, articles going, some articles going here uh, during my time in Nigeria, but things should resume uh, after the first week in April. But I mentioned today we've been doing this for four weeks now. This is this is March 28th. I almost said February 28th, but it is March 28th. And that means we're we're nearing the end of our month. And of course, every time, you know, on the 7th, I did this on the 14th and I did this on the 21st as well. If you've been listening the whole time, go ahead and put it in the comment and let me know that you've been listening to the whole for the whole time. Go ahead and comment and let me know because that is so cool to go and to see people who have gone and listened the entire time. But if you've only been listening for a week or two or maybe even a day or two, go ahead and put that in the comments as well for how long you've been listening and let me know uh, how you heard about the podcast because that would be cool, cool to know uh, to hear how you heard about that if you've only been listening for a week or two. And if today is your first day listening to the podcast, that is awesome. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you continue to enjoy it. But let's go ahead and let's get into our text this morning, which is Proverbs chapter 28. In Proverbs chapter 28, starting in verse 1, it says this, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Because of the transgression of the land, many are its princes. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the right will be prolonged. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than the perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoever keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames the father. One who increases his possessions by usury and extortion gathers it for himself who will pity the poor. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Whoever causes the upright to go astray is an an evil way. He himself will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit good. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches them out. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. 
like a roaring lion and a charging bear, is a wicked ruler over the people. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. A man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit. Let no one help him. Whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. A faithful man it will abound with blessing, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. To show partiality is not good, because for a piece of bread a man will transgress. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches, and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with a tongue. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says, It is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. When the wicked arise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Wow, there's a lot going on in this chapter and quite a bit that we could go over, but we're going to start right where he should start, and that's the beginning in verse 1. In fact, today we're going to look at two verses particularly, verse 1 and verse 13. In verse 1, it says this, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, when you are right, you need to be right. Remember who defines right, and of course, it is God. This is important and vital to understand this, and of course, he is the ultimate authority. But when you are right, you need to be right. What do I mean by this here? When you are are right in what you're saying, when you are standing in the moral right, you need to actually stand for that thing. This is so important to understand. You need to be as bold as a lion. There are so many people who are right, know the right answers, might even personally do the right thing, but they don't advocate for the right thing. In fact, when wrong is happening all around them, they know it's wrong, and yet they sit back and they remain silent. That's not what we're called to do. That's not who we're called to be. It says this, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Are you as bold as a lion when you are standing on God's word, when you are standing knowing that God has said something and that you know that you are right? Are you as bold as a lion or you cower as a mouse just kind of holding back and kind of going like, well, yeah, I know the right answer and da, 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 but I'm just not going to say anything. No, you need to say something. You need to be as bold as a lion. Now, you need to understand here. There are some things that don't define what is right. See, and I think this is so important because some people think that they're right, and of course, they're wrong. That's a big problem. See, culture does not define what is right. If you go and you start uh, talking to people, what they're going to go and say is basically that culture defines what is right and what is wrong. They go and they say, like, you live by your truth, I'll live by my truth, and whatnot. But the reality of it is, is that they're going and saying, look, we need to go and define an agreement within a society, and it's just this kind of cultural thing that's defining what's right and what's wrong. That's not what defines what's right and what's wrong. A culture can be wrong. In fact, our culture, in many instances, is wrong in many things. Democracy also doesn't choose what's right and wrong. Just because a majority of people 
believe something is right or that something is wrong. It does not make it right and it does not make it wrong. It, it just means that a majority of people believe in that. It's not, it, 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 that, that's not how we find morality as Christians. Another thing that doesn't define what's right or, or wrong is your personal feelings. You might have personal feelings. You might have strong personal feelings, but those personal feelings do not define what is right and what is wrong. That's the reality of it. Just because you feel a certain way does not make something right. I recall one time going uh, to UNI campus, and I, I was there to go into actually uh, to witness to people. But as I was there, um, something interesting was going on, and that was a street preacher came up. And I mean, he had the whole street preacher garb, right? He he, he was wearing the, uh, the the bright yellow shirt that said, you know, um, you're going to go to hell uh, and kind of a thing on it. And he started getting this big crowd uh, around him. Uh, and of course these people were going and they were, they, they were mocking this guy. And, and so I start walking up to this crowd to see kind of what's going on, but also because it's whenever you're put in this situation, now maybe you're the street preacher, but if you're not the street preacher, when you're put in this situation, it's a good opportunity to go up and to start working the crowd, to go and to start talking to the crowd and, and to go into really get into some interesting conversations because they're thinking about eternity in this moment. And the young man that really caught my eye was this guy who uh, looked kind of out of place because he, he was wearing this Satan shirt, but you could kind of tell this wasn't a shirt that he wore very often. He didn't have the whole Satanist kind of a look thing going on, right? And so I kind of go up to him and I start talking to him and I just say, man, that's an interesting shirt. He's like, yeah, I, I got it. I went and I put it on just because I had this shirt uh, just kind of as a joke. But, uh, but I went and I put it on because I wanted to really bother this guy. And I looked at him and I said, well, do you think it's bothering him? And he goes, no. I say, oh, that's kind of interesting. And he starts kind of saying, yeah. And he starts telling me kind of how, what was all going on. And so I start asking him um, about what does he believe? And he starts telling me his experience with church and how it was, it was limited and whatnot. But, but he goes and he makes the statement and he says, you know, I believe that, you know, uh, this guy has the right to, to believe what he wants to believe. And I have the right to believe what I want to believe. And my truth is my truth. And his truth is his truth. And I looked at him and I said, well, that's not a good way to define morality. And it's not. It's not a good way to define morality. In fact, it's a terrible way to find morality. And he says, well, what do you mean? What do you mean that's not a good way to find, define morality? And I said, well, I mean, what about the truth of the school shooter? Do you think that that person has the right to their own truth? Like, are, are they right and justified in going and shooting somebody? He goes, no. And I said, well, I'm glad you don't think that. I said, because I don't either. I mean, that would be crazy. He goes, well, yeah. And then what does he say? Because he, he says, well, it's, it's society. It's society. You know, there's like an agreed upon thing. There's, there, there's certain things that are agreed upon. And that's, that's how we find truth. Now, this is at a, a liberal college campus in Iowa. And I go and I tell him, I said, now, wait a minute. You don't look much like a racist. And he looked at me kind of shocked because, I mean, that's one of the worst things you could be called on a liberal campus is a racist. And I said, yeah, you don't look much like a racist. And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, you said that, that you know, the majority of people, what they believe and the, the, the common beliefs, that's what, uh, you know, that's what would define, um, define right and wrong. And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, back in the 17 and 1800s, I mean, the majority of the people believed that, that slavery was okay. So do you believe slavery is okay? Oh, no, no, no. I don't believe that at all. And I looked at him and I said, well, then how do we define morality? And what's his answer? His answer is, I don't know. 
what do you think? And then I'm able to go and to take him to the fact that we have set, fixed laws, moral laws that are given to us by God, who's the moral arbiter, and I take him to the Ten Commandments. And from taking him to the Ten Commandments, then it's easy to weave in the gospel and really got him thinking afterwards. He didn't come to, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that day, to my knowledge, but he walked away going and saying, huh, maybe I'm wrong. And there's a couple different things here that I want to point out. One is that there was no backing down about what was right and what was wrong. The righteous are as bold as a lion, and you need to be as bold as a lion. The second thing is, is that you do need to understand where do we define right and wrong. We can't just say righteous in your own eyes. We need to say righteous in God's eyes, and we need to ta- take it all the way back to God. The first part of this verse so says, the wicked flee when no one pursues them. The wicked flee when no one pursues them. And in Psalm 1-4, it says this, the ungodly are not so, but they're like a chaff which the wind drives away. See, the ungodly, they are driven by their circumstances. Their morality is based on what others think or what caters to the best to them in their situation. And so you can go and look into test your own life, take inventory of your own life. Are you being driven by your circumstances? Are your circumstances defining how you're going to respond in in the moral obligations, in, in what is right and what is wrong? Is your morality based upon just circumstances? Well, if so, that then you are fleeing when nobody's chasing you. You're running away from the, the, the place, the moral ground of what is right. You're a chaff which the wind drives away, and you're ungodly if that's the case. You need to be going and having a firm foundation and say, what does God's word say about it? What does God's word say about it? And go back to God's word. See, they run away when no one pursues them. Even the thought makes them want to flee. Even the thought of moral conflict makes them want to flee. This happens all the time. People who are afraid of offending other people And it causes a reaction, and so therefore they don't go and they don't say the truth. They don't speak out the truth because they're afraid that they might offend somebody and that it might cause a reaction to what they say, even if nobody has been offended yet, and they run from that. That's not being righteous. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, the lion has the reputation as being king of the jungle. So no one messes with a lion, right? They're at the top of the food chain. That's the idea here. Now, the point is... Uh, is a is not a positivity doctrine that you should go and, 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 and be this cocky, arrogant jerk. That's not what I'm going and saying here. I'm not saying to have a prideful mindset or a sinful mindset with that. But what I'm saying is, is that we are called as Christians to stand boldly against wickedness and to stand with boldness and to not flee from conflict when we're standing on what is right. But you need to be standing on what's right and what's actually right and righteous. The second thing that I want us to see here is just a couple quick principles on sin. And in verse 13, it says this, He who covers sin, his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. 
we see here the person who covers their sins, they simply, they're not going to prosper in life. They're not going to do well. They will not have success. So what does this mean? It means that you shouldn't be seeking to cover your sins. I mean, I know this is a fleshly desire. This is something that, that we want to do whenever we go and we sin. We want to go and choose to cover our sin. That's what our flesh cries out and wants to do. That's the natural response. But that's not what you should do with your sin. Because what happens when you cover your sin? Well, it just puts it down deeper. That's what it does. And your sin will always find you out. Your sin, it's like a boomerang. You throw it and it's going to come back. You, you try to throw it and it's going to come back. Think of David in the story of David and Uriah. Uh, when it comes to this, you know, he commits adultery with Bathsheba. Then he goes and he tries to cover it up by bringing Uriah home. And then he realizes that didn't work. So what did he go do? He goes and he commits murder by going and putting Uriah at the front of the line and telling people to run away from him, just, you know, let him die. Uh, that whole thing. I mean, it, 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 it's a big deal. And then, of course, what happens at the end of it is incredible destruction. But what do we do with our sins? Well, it says it in the second part of the verse, it says, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. First John 1 John 1.9 says this, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is absolutely vital to the Christian walk. We need to say the same thing as is what God says when it comes to sin, and that's what confession means. We need to see our sin the same way that God sees it, that the thing that put Jesus Christ on the cross— we need to have a horrible personal offense to sin because that sin has a horrible personal offense to God. And then we need to forsake our sin, or another word for this would be repent. Stop sinning. Change your life. Repent. Turn away from sin and go towards God. And what is the result? The result is mercy. God will hold back what we deserve so that we can walk in blessing. Isn't that wonderful? So today, remember to be standing in righteousness and to be as bold as a lion. And remember that when you do sin, don't cover it up, confess your sin, and turn away from it. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting Will end in God's timing Sing like the battle's been won Then you feel it The song that is rising Then you can't help but let it out If you're trusting in